Welcome to Rockbridge, all of our six physical locations. Those of you that are watching online, my name is Matt. Uh, we're delighted that you're here for this Palm Sunday weekend. Hey, we're going to have a moment of prayer in just a minute, but I, I want to tell you about what we're going to pray about. First is, last weekend, if you were here, uh, we, uh, we ended our service with asking ourselves, hey, who is one person that I, uh, that I could pray for, that I could seek an open door to share an invitation with me, to come to church with me, maybe on Easter, to maybe even share what God has done in my life and who Jesus is to me. So I want us to pray for those folks, and, I, and I'm praying that we all have an opportunity to invite someone to church that needs to know the message uh, of Easter or, or is curious about Christianity, curious about the faith. As you walk out of any of our six locations, you can grab some invites cards. If you're online, you can use the, the links to our website. You can do some hashtags on your social media as we want to spread the word about Easter. And then this weekend, though, the, the second thing we're going to pray for is we're going to end our service. I'll just go ahead and tell you up front. We're going to end it a little differently by giving us a, a, an open opportunity to physically respond to what God may be doing, what God may be saying internally to signify our cooperation with how the Holy Spirit might speak to you, work in you during this service, this particular Palm Sunday. And so in our six physical locations, that will be an invitation to actually get up and move and, and do something that, as, the, as the Lord directs you. No pressure to do that. And, and that'll be clear as we navigate through uh, the message this weekend. If you're online, Pastor Mark, he's going to put a link that's available to you, and that will be your way to physically uh, participate with what God might be doing uh, internally or how might God, might, God be, might be speaking to you as you're watching online. Let's join together in prayer. God, first we want to pray for our ones. God, we pray for people that do not know Jesus. We pray for people that do not know Easter beyond a tradition or beyond a day on the calendar. And we're asking, God, that you'd use us to uh, share, show the message and the love of Christ. God, for those of us who have ma made invitations, we pray those are received with favor we pray people show up inexplicably. We pray you wake people up who have no intention to come into church, but you spur them on and bring them for such a time as this. So God, hear our heart for people that you have died for that do not yet know you personally as their Lord and their King and their Savior. Then God, this weekend, I, I'm going to ask you something, God. We need something to happen supernaturally. And I'm praying that over every soul that's listening in six physical locations and all across the world, online or digitally. God, that's something supernatural, something that my words alone cannot do, something that, uh, that our, our worship leaders cannot do, but your spirit must do. So I pray, God, right now, there is just great humility and receptivity to the wind, the presence, the movement of your Holy Spirit as, as he accompanies the word that he inspired, the holy word that we call the Bible. So be with us, God. May everybody right now believe in faith. I am here for a reason. Show us that, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So all over the world, Christians and churches are celebrating 
the, the, what's called Palm Sunday. It's a, it's a significant event in the history uh, of the church when Jesus comes into Jerusalem uh, riding on a donkey. You saw it in the video, such prophecy being fulfilled, significant things happening. So it's a day of celebration and, remem- and, and remembrance. But what I want to talk about this weekend is what I want to just call the problem of Palm Sunday. There's a problem with Palm Sunday that we're going to have to get underneath and and deal with. Before we we get to the problem, I just want to read uh, the Gospel of Mark's account of Palm Sunday. Mark is the first gospel that was written, the shortest, most succinct, uh, and, and just read his account. So we're in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. We'll cover a lot of scripture. Here we go. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, Well, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here right away. So they went, and they found a colt outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? Are you stealing this colt? It's kind of the implication. And they answered them just as Jesus had said, so they let them go. So we see Jesus, he's sovereign, he's God, he's orchestrating things, he's directing things. This is that significant of an event in history. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat upon it. Many people spread their clothes on the road and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. High symbolism, this is royalty, this is each of these actions, the leaves, all of this is very symbolic. Israel is welcoming their Messiah, their king, into their capital. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. They're quoting Psalm 118. And, and that is a, a, a Davidic song, psalm about the, the Messiah, the King of Israel, the long-awaited restoration of Israel. When they're saying Hosanna, they're saying, hey, God, we want your salvation. We want your favor. Save us now. Favor us now. Bless us now. And who doesn't want that, right? So what, 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 Mark, what, what Palm Sunday indicates and what Mark's gospel shows us is that as they're reciting Psalm 118, this indicates... The people knew Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. There is no mistaking the symbolism, everything that's happening, the quoting of Psalm 119. This is no longer just a rabbi. This is no longer just teacher. This is no longer just a good person teaching good things. This is the long-awaited Messiah. And they wanted salvation and favor from God. Who doesn't? Right? If, and, and some of you, I know, some of you, maybe not yet a Christ follower, maybe just checking things out. Maybe you're spiritual, or, or, but you're not yet into the whole Christian thing, the whole church thing. That's fine. But I think all of us would say, you know what, if there's salvation out there, I want it. If there's favor out there from a higher power, I need it. So that's what's going on on Palm Sunday. So how does this happen a couple of days later? A bloodied, six days ago, he's ready for his coronation. A couple days later, he's bloodied, he's beaten, and this crowd stirred up by the powers that be will yell, crucify him, and crucify him. We don't want anything to do with him. What happened? That's the problem of Palm Sunday. 
The problem was not with who Jesus was. They, they identified him. Psalm 118, they identified him as the Messiah. But the way they wanted to be saved was through politics and military overthrow of the Roman government. They wanted the favor of a favorable political climate, the favor of a favorable government that was Jewish, just like David's kingdom hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So the problem wasn't with who Jesus is. The problem was with how he came to save them and from what he came to save them from. He didn't come to save them from the Romans. He came them to save them from sin. He came to save from sin. He came to die to save them. He came to die instead of them. He came to die instead of Matt Evans. He came to die instead of you. He came to die for us and instead of us. And so he came to save from sin, our greatest enemy, not the Romans. And he came to die by, or to save by the shedding of his very own blood. Very own blood. And, and that calls us to just a challenge that calls us to uh, something we've got to look at, which is this notion of, of blood, right? This notion that's in Scripture. Hebrews 9.22 says it this way, Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. That's the Old Testament, the sacrificial system. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So the problem of Palm Sunday can really be boiled down to this, that they had and we have a problem with blood. That it's offensive that Jesus had to die instead of us. But let's think about blood anyway. Just think about it for just a minute. Like your kids, they fall down. They're not crying. Everything's good. They look down and see something red on their knee. What happens? They start squawking, right? Blood. Before you watch a movie, if it's got violence or death or blood in it, there's a warning that the Motion Picture Association mandates is put out on that. You want to shield your kid from that. There's something about blood that's repulsive. We know it's serious when we see blood or more serious when we see blood. And so the people have a problem with a bloody Savior. They wanted a political Savior. They, they wanted a government-type Savior. They, they didn't want the bloody Savior because they, they, that says something about them, but it also says something about God. So the problem of Palm Sunday is this problem of a bloody Savior. And, but if you go back in the Gospels, this has always been a problem. It's like we just said, it's a problem for us. I mean, we're, some of us, we don't want, we're not going to be nurses and doctors, right? Because we got a problem with seeing too much blood. But this problem with blood and the blood of Christ is prevalent in the Gospels. There's an incredible story in John's Gospel, chapter 6, and Jesus says to a crowd of people, like, he is highly popular at this point in his ministry. I mean, his ratings are through the roof, Okay. And he says this, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Now that sounds kind of cannibalistic. He's talking about a, a, an act of faith, but it's faith in what he's going to do on the cross. It's faith in what his blood is going to provide. He goes on, he says, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. So if you want to be saved, you got to go through my blood, Jesus says. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. We're done. Sight of blood, we're done. Mention of blood, we're done. We want a good teacher. We want a good message. We want some blessing. We don't want any blood. 
one of Jesus' most prominent apostles who will like help found the church and who will write letters that we now call part of our New Testament. His name is Peter. He too had a problem with blood. So Jesus founds the church on, G- on Peter's confession that he is the Messiah, and he begins to tell his disciples this is the first time he's been real clear about what he's going to do. He says plainly what he's going to do, that it's necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. He's going to die. He's going to bleed. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. He says, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. No death, no blood, Jesus. And look what Jesus says. He turns to Peter and he says, get away from me, Satan. There must be blood, Peter. You are a dangerous trap to me. If I listen to you, Peter, something's not going to get done that has to get done. You are seeing things. And here, here's, where, here's where that supernatural prayer that I prayed to begin our services comes from. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I am praying that we would begin to see something through the point of view of Almighty God and value it the way God values it by seeing it the way God sees it. So here's the lesson that we're getting at. To get what God has for us, we have to go through the blood he shed for us. To get what God has for us, to get what God wants to give us. I'm not talking about the air you breathe. That's common grace. I'm talking about saving grace, sanctifying grace, transforming grace, eternal life grace, delivering grace, overcoming grace. You have to go through the blood of Jesus. You have to. So here's our supernatural prayer. The blood of Jesus must have the same place in our hearts as it has in the heart of God. The blood of Jesus, blood that is repulsive, that is gory, that is violent. Blood that makes our kids cry, makes some people pass out. Blood that the Motion Picture Association of America will warn us before we see it. There has to be blood, and it has to be the holy blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a Christian, I get that. That doesn't sound right. I get that, and that's where I want to quote back Jesus' words. We have to see the blood of Christ, not from a human point of view, but we have to see it from God's point of view. So let's look at a little passage that our guy Peter that he wrote later on. Remember, I shared you that from Matthew 16. Matthew 16, Peter's got a problem with the blood, right? He's like, no, Jesus, you're not going to die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Later on, decades down the road, Peter, who had a problem with the blood, now writes this about the blood. He says, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors. You will redeem, though, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Do you see the change? Jesus, you can't die. Jesus, I got a problem with you shedding blood. The crowd had a problem with Jesus shedding blood. And now this blood is what? It's precious. It's precious. 
Now this blood is precious. So let's move into this. And we're praying, God, let us see it the way you see it. Let us see the blood the way you see the blood. So here's the first question. Why does the Bible use blood, and why doesn't it just say death enough, or, or death, or crucifixion? Here's the facts of what we see in Scripture. The blood of Jesus is used to describe the death of Jesus three times more than the cross, five times more than just the statement Jesus died. So the blood, of Je- blood is mentioned in the Scripture 700 total times. So there's something significant about it. And, and you know there's significance or there's at least curiosity. Like if you've got someone who dies or passes away, you, you know, one of the questions, well, how'd they die? And that tells us something. And sometimes, you know, there's a difference between, oh, he died in his sleep and, and oh, they died in a, in, a, in a bad car accident, right? There's a different emotional response to that, right? That there's a difference in, man, they, they died in combat right? Versus they died in, a, in an accident. There's just differences. And so the Bible picks that up and the Bible uses blood of Christ three times more than the cross of Christ, five times more than the death of Christ. And all total, if you add up all the references in all of the Bible, not just the blood of Jesus, but the blood of lambs and goats and other sacrifices, 700 times, it's gory, right? But in the Jewish mind, blood represents something. It is it's designed, it's put in there for a reason that the blood represents a violent, sacrificial, purposeful, and powerful death. Violent, sacrificial, purposeful, and powerful death. And so what we want to do is we want to get underneath what now Peter calls the precious blood of Jesus. And we're praying, God, do not let me see the blood of Christ from a human point of view. Let me see it from your point of view. Here's what we need to begin to see. Almighty God sees and hears the blood of his son. Almighty God sees and hears the blood of his son. There's something going on in in the heart of God around the blood. Let's go back to one of the most powerful demonstrations of the efficacy and the power of blood. It's known as the Passover to the Jewish people, the 10th plague that liberated the Jews, the Hebrews, out of Egypt. God was going to kill all the firstborn males in all of the land unless there was the blood wiped over the doorpost, and then he would pass over that particular home. Listen to his instructions in Exodus 12. Put, but, but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Look, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Judgment will not hit you. Death will not touch you. Damnation will not come to you. The plague will not touch you. Notice it doesn't say, I will pass over you because you're Jewish. Notice it does not say, I will pass over you because you're a good person. Notice it does not say, I will pass over you because you're not as bad as those Egyptians. It says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God sees the blood. Hebrews 12, 24 says this. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, a new arrangement, a new relationship with people. And to the sprinkled blood, which says better things than the blood of Abel. So that takes us all the way back to Genesis 4, the first murder 
first real big massive manifestation of sin and brokenness in the world where Cain murders his brother Abel and God hears the blood metaphorically, and his, the blood of Abel is calling out to God in this little interaction in Genesis chapter 4, and it's a cry for justice. So the, the author of Hebrews takes that story and puts the blood of Jesus next to the blood of Abel and says the blood of Jesus says better things because the blood of Jesus also is a cry of justice, but the blood of Jesus is saying for all of those who have put the, their, their faith in the blood or the death of Jesus, God's justice has been satisfied by Jesus. God sees and hears the blood. Now, this, this kind of course corrects us a little bit. Because you see, you know, a lot of us think, you know, what God's looking for? God's looking for me to be a better person. God's looking for me to get my act together. God's looking for blood covering your heart. We, we, what voices we listen to that tell us what? We're no good or the voices of condemnation that we listen to. God's looking for the blood of his son that speaks back to him. And tells him something has been accomplished in his economy, in his ordained way of saving people. Do you know what the song of heavens will be about? The songs we'll sing in heaven? The songs we sing in heaven will be about the blood. Listen to this. A new song comes up into heaven. Revelation 5, chapter 9. You, talking about Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll, break its seals, and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. It's the song of heaven. So may we see the blood the way God sees the blood. Share with you four reasons why Jesus' blood is precious and no longer problematic. And we'll solve the problem of Palm Sunday. First reason, the blood of Jesus is precious because of whose it is. The blood of Jesus is precious because of whose it is. It's God's. It's God's holy and eternal son. The one that God the Father, when he was baptized, said, this is my beloved son. The one who was transfigured on the mountain with two of his other disciples. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. It's his blood, the blood of the Son of God. To which the author of Hebrews says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more will this blood work? How much more will this blood be honored than the blood of goats? This blood is eternally precious because of whose it is. The blood of Jesus or the blood is precious because of what it accomplishes. The blood of Jesus is precious because of what it accomplishes. And what does the blood of Jesus accomplish? Several things. The first is this, payment of our sin debt. Payment of our sin debt. It accomplishes something we cannot accomplish. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The blood of Jesus accomplishes this. Legally, we are cleared and we are justified. We are declared not guilty in God's sight. Listen, let's understand what it costs God to forgive Matt Evans. Let's understand what it costs God to forgive you or you or those of you watching online. God does not overlook your sin. 
He looks to see if the blood of Jesus is covering your sin. Let me say that again. God does not overlook my sin. God does not overlook pornography in my life. Greed, pride in my life. Lust, addiction in your life. God does not overlook sin. He looks for the blood of Jesus to cover your sin. And it is that covering that pays the sin debt, clears us, and justifies us in his sight. We now have been justified by his blood. That's the word of God from Romans 5, 9. The blood of Jesus accomplishes our deliverance and our freedom. It sets captives free. Ephesians 2, 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sin. God just, now listen, the blood of Jesus does not just, listen, listen, lean in. The blood of Jesus does not just save you from the penalty of sin. It delivers you from the power of that sin. Such is the value and the power of the precious blood of the Son of God. The blood of Jesus accomplishes cleansing. It's the removal of impurity. 1 John 1, 7 says, The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. We're made new. We're made right. And then finally, the accomplishment of intimacy or the accomplishment of nearness. Former sinners are given access nearness, intimacy with God. Ephesians 2.13 says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Some of you believe the only way you can get close to God is by being good enough or at least not as bad as some people. Repent right now of your religion and embrace a relationship with the bloody Son of God who died in front, instead of you and His blood paves the way for you to call God Father and approach His throne room with mercy and grace, boldness and confidence and have Him accept you as an adopted Son of God. That is the accomplishment of the blood of Christ. Number three, the blood is precious because of what it demonstrates. The blood accomplishes and the blood demonstrates. What does the blood of Jesus demonstrate? The first thing is the blood of Jesus demonstrates the seriousness of sin. The seriousness of sin. Charles Spurgeon says this, if people died, if Jesus died because of sin, people begin to see that sin must be a murderous thing. So listen, please church, listen. We must stop saying, my sin is no big deal. We must stop saying nobody got hurt, because they did. The Son of God did. We must stop saying, my sin is not as bad as your sin. All sin is serious, because all sin put Jesus on the cross and required the blood of Christ to pay for it and deliver us from it. Not only does the blood of Jesus demonstrate the seriousness of sin, the blood of Jesus demonstrates his great love for us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Please hear me. We're praying. God, let me see this the way you see it. God's love is not demonstrated by the fact that everybody gets healed from every disease. 
God's love is not demonstrated by the fact that natural disasters get averted or is not as bad as they could have been. God's love is not demonstrated by the fact that by the hope that you and I might live to a certain age in the future. God's love is not demonstrated by the money in your bank account. God's love is not demonstrated by the fact that there's good weather on your wedding day. God's love is demonstrated forever, irrevocably, eternally, steadfastly by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ shed his blood for us. So let me tell you something. You may have walked in here, turned your computer on, and you may not feel loved. You might be looking for love in all the wrong places, but you are loved. You only need to look at the bloody Savior, Jesus Christ, to know he loves you. The blood of Jesus demonstrates also his possession of us. He buys us. 1 Corinthians says it this way, You were bought at a price. You are not your own. What was the price? The price was the blood, is the blood of Christ. That our freedom isn't free. Our freedom isn't free. And God buys us into his forever family. God buys us and brings us into his kingdom. This kingdom of perfection. This kingdom where death will no no longer reign. This kingdom where resurrection power is available. This kingdom, this family where I get to call God my father. This kingdom where the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of me. All of that is because the blood of Jesus has purchased me. And the blood of Jesus, number four, is precious because through it we overcome and through it we obtain victory. Let me say it again. From the blood of Christ we overcome and obtain victory. Revelation 12, 11 says, They conquered him, these are believers, him is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. The blood of Christ is overcoming. The blood of Christ is victory bestowing. The blood of Christ is how we pick up and fight a holy warfare of overcoming sin and unrighteousness. The blood of Christ is how we overcome the lies of Satan that tell us we're not good enough or we've got to earn it or prove it or deserve it. The blood of Christ is what opens the doorway to eternal life, gives us a sense of being loved steadfastly and perfectly and unconditionally, which our hearts need. The blood of Christ purchases hope, purchases identity, purchases a place in heaven. The blood of Christ is how we defeat temptation. The blood of Christ is how we look at our sin and say, I will no longer let you kill the one who loved me most and loves me best. That is my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. So here we go. But the blood of Christ is only precious when we apply it. By faith, by focus. By faith and by focus. So our invitation and our response is in our six physical locations, there are some areas set up where you can come and just take a little red glass drop that looks like blood. Online, there's a link that's being made available to you that you can click and go to. And here's what I'm learning. I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, so I've been a Christian for 40 years. I need to apply the blood of Christ 
all the time. I don't graduate from it. It wasn't eight years old. Oh, you'll never need the blood again. I need the blood to help me fight sin. I need the blood to fight the voice of Satan that tells me I'm not good enough or that tells me I'm not loved or that tells me I'm defeated or what I'm doing is futile. The blood of Jesus speaks, and God hears the blood of Jesus. So the invitation is, would you let, however you need to this weekend, the song of heaven be the song of your heart? If there's a sin that you need to repent of, recognizing that sin spilled this holy, precious blood, but you also need that blood not only to show you the seriousness of it, but to give you cleansing, deliverance, and to pay the ransom for it, you're invited to come forward and repent. If you know someone that's not a Christ follower and you want to grab this and pray for them, you are invited to do that. If you are carrying a burden of addiction or insecurity, a hurt, a habit, a hang-up that you can't let go of, you are invited to come and grab a hold of the blood of Jesus by faith so that you can let go and let go of whatever has a hold upon you. And let Jesus' blood hold you, love you, cherish you, and you too call it this, the precious blood of your Savior. If you are in a satanic fight against a lie, a deception, a stronghold of the enemy, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Make this weekend part of your testimony by putting your faith and bringing your focus to the blood of Christ. You let the Holy Spirit lead you. Do not let any of my words have any influence. You just cooperate with what God, the Holy Spirit, is doing. The Holy Spirit honors the blood of the Son of God. But let us all allow the song of heaven to be the song of our heart this weekend. Such is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. God, we just want to open our hearts to you in faith and in focus. We want to open our hearts, God, and, and tell you that we need and always will need the blood of Jesus. God, I pray that we see that blood right now not from a human point of view, but from your point of view, and that we are able to call it sing it and put our faith in the blood of your son Jesus as precious, as powerful, as purposeful. God, there are people here and maybe they have never become a Christ follower. Maybe they have never fully understood what you did on the cross, but right now they do. And they realize your love is so deep it is so proven. It is so demonstrated. They are ready to surrender. They are ready to take the blood and pass over and, and put it on their sins by faith. So you pass over them in judgment and then you adopt them into your family and your kingdom. Holy Spirit, I just ask you powerfully right now to speak to people. And I pray, God. People would put their faith afresh in you in whatever situation, whatever circumstance, wherever they need, God, they would come to you for that overcoming power, purifying power, forgiving power, transforming power, because, oh, precious is the flow of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in his mighty name we pray and open up our services and open up our hearts to move, to be free, to respond, to worship, to put more of our faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus and the blood you have graciously spilled and shed so we could be free 
we could be clean, we could be fully yours. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.